Well, good morning. How are you all? Yeah. What a lovely building. Yeah. And who's tired because you stayed up late last night watching the wedding? You're pointing to your wife. I couldn't sleep because I'm two and a half hours behind you in Adelaide and it sort of messes with the time a little bit. So I thought I'll just listen to it while I'm trying to go to sleep and then the African-American preacher got going and he woke me up and then I'm just staring at the TV, looking at my watch and going, I'm never going to go to sleep. So I've got a little bit of a sore throat. I've been in the country for two and a half weeks and so I've been turbo teething for a while. My wife hasn't spoken to me for three years. She didn't want to interrupt me. So here we go. But um, I really do have a message, I believe, not just for this house, but one of the things God has given me the privilege to do is to speak to the wider body of Christ. And one of the things he's asked me to do is to bring adjustment like a chiropractor does when he brings adjustment to the body. But you can't show the problem if you don't have the answer. And so a lot of people bash the church. I'm not called to bash the church. I want to build the church. But in building the church, we've got to address a few issues. And one of the things I want to talk about today is the fact that the church has lost its accent. The church has lost its accent and we need to get our accent back because we're not recognised by the fact we're the same as the world. We're recognised by the fact that we're different. When that man got up and spoke, that African man at the wedding, you could see the people that were uncomfortable in the room. <laughs> you could see it was quite a, a weird atmosphere. Everybody's trying to interpret, not everybody, but some are trying to interpret Elton John. And when he screwed up his face wondering, what on earth is this? But we're never going to change the world by being the same. We're going to change the world by being different. A very famous Catholic priest called Father Richard Raw. he's written some of the best books in the world on walking with Jesus. And two or three weeks ago, he made the statement, Christianity is a lifestyle, a way of being in the world that is simple, non-violent, shared and loving. However, we've made it into an established religion and all that goes with that and avoided the lifestyle change itself. One could be warlike, greedy, racist, selfish and vain in most of Christian history and still believe that Jesus is one's personal Lord and Saviour. The world has no time for such silliness anymore. The suffering on earth is too great. I went to church nine months before I was born. I've always been in church. But I don't want to be a churchian. I want to be a Christian. And to do that, I have to carry a God accent. And so this morning, I want to talk about that. You see, I'm Italian. And my dad brought me to Australia when I was four years old. Now, you would not know I'm Italian because as a little boy, I grew up in Australia, you know, and so my accent is predominantly English. My father came at the same time, but because he'd lived in Italy for such a long time or the first 20 years of his life, he still talked like this, you know. <laughs> you talk to my dad after 60 years and you go, Brother Guglielmucci, how are you? Oh, thanks to God, you know. <laughs> That's a life, you know, one a day after another day. We just the love of Jesus, you know. Now, when my father talks like that, all the Asian people that are in the room today, you would never get confused that my dad was Asian. <laughs> Why? 
because you recognise him by his accent. You say he's European. But not only does the accent define him, his culture does. So my dad still makes the best Italian sauce you could ever make. He's probably not good at making fried rice. <laughs> because he's not Asian, he's Italian. And so, not that that's wrong, it's just that your culture flows on from your accent and people recognise it. When I walk in into an Indian restaurant and smell the curry, I'm not confused that I'm in an Italian restaurant. <laughs> I know exactly where I am. I'm in an Indian restaurant. How do Christians get seen as different to the rest of the world? We have to get our accent back. And I believe God wants our accent to be recognisable by people outside of God's world. You see, the Christians in the New Testament were not called Christians by the Christians. They were called Christians by the non-Christians. They go, they are the Christ ones. They are the ones that follow Christ. Do you know if you take Christ out of Christian, you're only going to end up with Ian? Think about it. It's bad, isn't it? Ian. You know, Christ one. Christian. And the thing is, as Christians, we've got to know what it is to have an accent. Now, many of you know that two years ago, our eldest son got killed by a lightning strike. And I still carry the pain very, very deeply. Before he passed away, his constant preaching was on eternity. It was his life message. Since he was a little boy, he would always preach about heaven and eternity. He had posters in the house all about eternity and heaven. And so before he passed away, this was his life message. You could be forgiven for thinking Danny's talking about heaven because of his pain. But when I came to Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't come to him because of what he does. I came to Jesus because of who he is. And because he is God, and I believe that with all my heart, and tonight I'm going to be sharing the gospel on who do you say that he is, not what other people say that he is, and we're going to go for souls. So bring friends. I'm going to share some of my grandchildren's personal encounters with God tonight since their dad passed away. And so, you know, I was babysitting one of our grandkids. He's 11. His name is Elijah. And next to his bed is a prayer that his dad used to pray over him every night. He had a different prayer for every child, written by hand, put in a picture frame by friends so they could have it next to their bed now that dad's died. And so he said to me, no, no, will you pray for, my, for me and pray dad's prayer over me tonight? I start praying the prayer as I'm reading it. I had never read it before and my heart broke. And I just started crying. I couldn't stop crying. And, and, and I'm thinking, I can't get through this. And my little grandson sits up in bed and starts rubbing my back. I'm sitting on the edge of his bed. And he goes, don't cry, Nono. Heaven is our home. Don't cry, Nono. Heaven is our home. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't live for eternity. We live from eternity. We live from eternity. And we need to start speaking the language of where we come from. We've got to start speaking the language of home. And so the Apostle Paul always started his preaching from the context of heaven because heaven's at stake. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, he says, for me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. And Paul's whole life 
was based on eternity. Remember in the Old Testament, Solomon tried everything. He had more wives than his father. He had better chariots than his father. He drank the best wine in town. He had everything he wanted. And it says, if you go back to the Hebrew in the Old Testament, he goes, I've tried everything under the sun and it all sucketh, the whole lot. It's all bad. Why? Because he never tried anything above the sun. He tried everything under the sun. He knew God as a provider, but he didn't see him as an eternal God. And I want to say to you this morning, every time I read Paul, not because my son passed away. I came to Christ when I was a young kid, and I never came to Christ because of all the things he was going to do, all the doors he was going to open up, all the nations he was going to take me to. He's done all that, but I didn't know he was going to do that. I came to him because of who he is. And that's still the case today after my son has passed away. He's still God. And so in Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes to the Philippians. And he writes to the Philippians and he goes, Listen guys, you live in Philippi, but you are citizens of Rome. And while you are living in Philippi, you have to still obey the rules of home, which is Rome. Just like you do that in the natural can I show you, dear Philippians, how you are on colony earth, but you live by the citizenship of heaven? And so in Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to show you five things that I believe every Christian needs to look at again if we want our accent back. If we want to be recognised for the fact that we are genuine Christians. And uh, I can't explain it all in one meeting, but I know I can back this up with more scriptures. The whole Bible is written from the context of eternity. You'll see it even in the passage. Philippians 4 verses 1 to 9. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you. Dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Listen to this. Now I appeal to Iodia. I don't know how to pronounce that name. I think she was in Star Wars, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I appeal to Iodia and Sintichi. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, these are partners in the gospel, to help these two women. For they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. There's the eternity thing, right? Always be full of joy. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Let everyone who sees that you are considerate, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. See the eternity thing coming through all the time. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Not before. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will 
be with you. On Friday night, we talked out of Romans chapter 12, if you were there, about not letting the world squeeze us into its mould, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's another way of saying we don't live by the culture of this planet, but we live by the culture of heaven. Here they are, the five points. Number one is the church needs to be in a spirit of partnership. It's not just going to a meeting. It's not turning up on Sunday and parking your blessed assurance on a seat and then get up and walk out and see you next Sunday. Christians should do life together in a spirit of partnership that makes the world go, wow. By this shall all men know you're my disciples by the beautiful carpet in your new building. By this shall all men know you're my disciples because the sound system is unbelievable. By this shall all men know you're my disciples because you go to a church that's not far for you to drive on a Sunday, but you made the effort. No, by this shall all men know you're my disciples by the love you share one with another. Here's two women who love the Lord. Do you know there's a lot of people that say they love the Lord that are not in church today because they've been offended. They've been offended by the church. You can't say you love Jesus and not love his church. They're inseparable. He said, I will build my church. You can't say you love your pastor and hate his wife. He would get up and say something very severe to you if you said that. <laughs> because Christ and the church are one and we're meant to, in the New Testament, build up the most holy faith of one another. And so Paul comes and says, hey, those two women, they work hard. They are godly women, but make sure they fix their issue. Because heaven's at stake. Don't hang on to stuff. My son and I had a little bit of a fallout probably a year or two before he passed away. Left our church, went to another church and there were issues because he was on staff and some of the staff members didn't quite see his God shape and, and, and you know the politics that happen in church life. I think I stand before God and say I tried everything I could to direct him right but in the end they left. I am so glad that a year before he passed away we got together and we go, we can't let this stay where it is. We've got to be in partnership. We've got to be Christians and, and, and father-son loving relationship. I got asked to mentor the church that he now was in. And I ended up mentoring my son-in-law, my son and my daughter-in-law all over again. Even though there'd been a separation, they came together again, that unity between us, so that the week before he passed away, we looked at each other in each other's eyes, and I said, I love you, Chris. And he goes, I love you, Dad. But can you imagine this morning if that hadn't happened? Oh, heartbreaking would it be to bury a son that you didn't resolve. We don't get promised tomorrow. So we've got to not hang on. The Bible's very clear that we need to fight for our unity. The unity is not something we create. The Holy Spirit creates it, but we're meant to preserve it. And so if we're going to carry the accent of heaven, we need to be the best conflict resolvers on the planet. Right now, I spend about three days a week when I'm home with non-Christian companies doing mediation. And they don't end up in court and paying for lawyers because I'm doing mediation. Guess what? I use the Bible. And they go to me, did you get all this out of the Bible? I go, yeah. And they go, we didn't know that was in the good book. I said, yes, that's all in the good book. Because our Bible is a roadmap to life, not a prayer book. It's a roadmap to life. It's a directional, not just a devotional. Some people use it as a devotional, but it's not like going to Woman's Weekly and reading your stars at the end of the book. 
and say, I wonder what my fortune is this week. I wonder what psalm God's got for me this week. It's good to be a direct, a devotional, but it's got to be a directional. And to do that, we, when we do that and embrace that, we get the accent of heaven back. Thank God. Come on, praise the Lord. Amen. Number two, it says rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. So number one is partnership. Number two is a positive faith posture. When my son died, I didn't feel like singing. I didn't feel like jumping around going, oh, Shunday, unbelievable. Presence of God, I felt terrible. However, listen to me very carefully. For me to rejoice, I had to rechoice. Every Christian has to rechoice. We have to choose every day to trust God. It's not singing. We say rejoice. We think that's a song. Rejoice in the Lord always and again. I I just gave it away my age now. So that's a new song. We'll teach it to you later. <laughs> I had to wake up every morning after my son died and I had to rechoice that I would trust him, though the fig tree does not blossom, it says in the Old Testament, and there be no fruit on the vine, yet will I rejoice in the God of my salvation. You see, if I'm in partnership with you and I realise you're my brothers and sisters, no matter what goes wrong, we can fix it because we have the accent of heaven, we live from eternity, we are citizens of heaven, then I can fix all that. But on top of that, I can rejoice every day to have hope because if there was no eternity... Why would you live 39 years and then drop dead? If there's no eternity, life just doesn't make sense. I'm going to be alive a lot shorter without my son than I was with him. So, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. It's my fault, I'm sorry. Uh, if that's the Lord, tell him not to interrupt me because I'm actually <laughs> preaching right now. <laughs> and so, so, number one, partnership. Number two is a positive faith posture. Rejoice in the Lord. Then he says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. How do you pray all day? I can't pray without ceasing. What does that mean to me? And I asked the Lord just recently. I said, Lord, how do I pray without ceasing? And this is what he says to me. 24-7, you need to have an attitude of reverence and dependence. Just be reverent that God is there anytime. He can tap me on the shoulder anytime. I can be driving the car. Now, if you're praying without ceasing and driving the car, don't shut your eyes, please. <laughs> but if you're driving without ceasing, driving, praying without ceasing while you're driving, you're just in tune. Say, God, tap me on the shoulder. Right. Yesterday morning, I'm in the foyer waiting to be picked up because I went and cooked dinner for your pastors last night. I did a three-course Italian meal last night for the family and they were licking their lips we had a great time you know and uh, you too could have a body like mine if you neglect it but anyway <laughs> and I'm waiting in the foyer to be picked up and as I'm waiting in the foyer to be picked up the Lord downloads two messages to me about the entitlement generation that is not an age thing it's a spirit and it can be in every age group and God downloads it I can't wait to preach it you know but I haven't fully prepared it yet why because I'm praying without ceasing what I'm doing is I'm daily dependence. I'm not doing my gig this morning and then get out of here and get on with the rest of my life. That's a performance. We don't need a performance. We need an impartation. And if we're going to have an impartation, my friends, uh, let me tell you, we've got to pray without ceasing, which is a posture of dependence. God, I'm one decision away from becoming a total idiot. One decision. 
And so I'm dependent on you. And Lord, I am reverent before you because that requires humility. I think one of the greatest things about prayer is humility. Jesus, take your hand off my life, I'm finished. I don't know how I can travel the world and preach when I ring my wife up and my grandkids. The last trip I was away from home, I got home and my little granddaughter, whose dad's passed away, was waiting at the door because every car that drove down the street, she thought it was me coming home. And so when I opened the door, she jumped up into my lap and she was overdue for sleep and they'll make up any excuse to stay up, as you know, when they're about six years old. But she just wrapped her arms around me. She goes, no, no, I am so glad to see you. She jumped into bed with me for a while and we talked about her dad. Uh, and we just talked about life. And, and she just says, oh, I love you so much. No, no. Oh, melt your heart. Melt your heart. But how do you live with those contrasts? How do you live with that beautiful moment with her and just wishing her dad was here? Your heart is torn. But I'm in partnership with a body of Christ that when I'm down can hold my hands up. See, last night after I finished cooking, I'm sitting down talking to Pastor Tark and his wife and daughter and son-in-law and I pulled out the phone and started showing pictures of my family and just out of the blue, I started crying. Now, I, I, I don't turn the tap on and cry, it just happens. But I just knew I was in a safe place. I just knew that I didn't have to apologise. I just knew I could just let the tears flow because I'm amongst family that understands my pain. Oh, I want to stay in partnership. I don't want to stay bitter or angry or twisted. I want to have a positive faith future. I want to pray without ceasing. And then the peace of God. Do you know how many Christians go, I lost my peace. I lost my peace. Well, are you in partnership? Not going to church anymore? Angry at people? Of course you've lost your peace. But if you stay in partnership, you're speaking the accent of heaven. Oh, if you have a positive faith future, a positive faith profession, that's a accent of heaven. And then you praise, you pray. That means you're trusting sovereignty when there's no clarity. Then the peace comes. I can tell you, I have peace. I'm away a lot. I'm going to be away a lot next year. And yet I'm going home tomorrow night and Tuesday I'll be with my grandkids and I've just got this peace that we're going to have God moments where God will help us build a story that becomes his story. And I want to tell you, friends, to live like that is to live light. We need to live light, not do Christianity light. Because we're the light of the world. Not just the light of the church, but we're the light of the world. But we can only be the light of the world if we have the accent of heaven. And the last one is go on and practice your Christianity. Practice your Christianity on a daily basis. And so these postures, I've led more people to Christ since my son's passed away because of these postures. How can you keep going? How can you smile again? And non-Christians ask me and I start showing them the truth of why I know God. And... One of them is getting baptised today back in Adelaide uh, that, you know, is uh, uh, come to Christ as a result of handling brokenness, not avoiding it. And so, my friends today, there are three evidences. I slightly mentioned it on Friday night. There are three evidences of being a disciple. Now, I'm going to say something. Please don't get mad at me. You can't say he's your saviour and not your Lord. You can't separate them. If he's not Lord, he's nothing at all. 
you know. And so you can't, in the Bible, there is no mention of pray a prayer and you can be saved, but the rest of it is all about lordship. It's all about lordship. But when you make him Lord, as you were saying earlier when I walked in, it's not a contract, it's a covenant. But I want to say this, when Jesus is Lord of our lives, there's three evidences that we are truly Christians, that the world will go, oh, I know that accent, I know that language, that's the culture of heaven. Or that's the culture of true Christianity. There are people right now trying to disprove Christianity. There are people coming out saying that we can prove that God's not real. At the same time, there's a hunger growing in people for truth. And at that royal wedding yesterday, you could see the emptiness in the millions of dollars worth of wealth. In the millions, there's an emptiness in people when you look into their eyes that the gospel is the only hope. But the three evidences are this, and I put four fingers up. So three evidences, and I put four fingers up. <laughs> Number one is love. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. By the love you show to each other, not the world. Now, I'm into going into the community, and I'm into transforming the community, and I know you've been impacted by some of our story. But we wouldn't have been able to do that if we were all fighting. If we weren't on the same page as Christians, we wouldn't be able to go into community. And so the Bible says, by this will the world know and this is what the world said when we renovated hospitals, when we renovated prisons. They go, how do you guys work together so well? How do you guys get on so well? Little did they know behind the scenes there were moments. But I want to tell you, the world needs to look at how we get on and go, wow, that's beyond the natural. There's something there. By this shall all men know you, my disciples, by the way you love one another. John chapter 13 and verse 34. But in John chapter 15 verse 7, it says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. The second key of being a true follower of Jesus is fruit. Now, I'm going to say something. Please don't be offended by this, I hope. There was part of that royal wedding last night that upset me. Because how can a guy like that preach about the love of God and people ask you to preach that when it's not changed your life in any way? Where it hasn't transformed the way you live? Now, let's pray they're on a journey. So I'm believing for a journey. But how can you listen to that and go on living just like no fruit? So it's just hearing a good story. But there has to be conviction and conversion for us to be true followers of Jesus. And so it starts with love. We heard it at the wedding yesterday. But then there's got to be fruit. And then there's got to be continuance. If you remain in me. People say to me, Danny, how do you still stand after one son breaking down, another one dying, working through marriage issues in the first few years of your marriage, which I've talked about openly with the two different cultures coming together, Italian and Australian, and I used it to help other people. I had an anger problem. I used to lose my cool when I first got married. There's a lot of stuff that went on. But I'm 62 still standing, not because of me, but because of the accent of heaven, because I want to have his love, I want to bear his fruit, and I want to continue to the day that Jesus takes me home. That's good accent. That's the accent of heaven. I was flying home from Brisbane a couple of weeks back, a few weeks back, and I felt God say to me, we have a new Jesus today. A lot of people have a Jesus that's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's a Jesus, listen to this, that will caress us, but we won't let him correct us. Yeah. 
It's a Jesus that loves us, but we won't let him lead us. He's a Jesus that connects with us, but never convicts us. He's a Jesus that gives us a Bible for our devotional, but it's never a non-negotiable. We have a Jesus that's taught us how to dance, but not, to, not how to take a stance. We have a Jesus we believe in, but we don't behave like him. And we have a Jesus of prosperity, but never speaks to us about eternity. And I wrote that on the plane, flying back from Brisbane. And I started crying. And I said, I want the real Jesus back. Because the real Jesus leads us to freedom, not bondage. And what makes us attractive to the world is not being like them because they don't like who they are. Tonight, I'm going to talk about a young girl I led to the Lord in a restaurant who said to me, I hate what I see in the mirror. She's on depression tablets, suicidal, and wants to take her life. Led her to the Lord. She got baptised a few weeks ago. Her whole family are coming to church at the moment. Had an incredible turnaround. Not because I told her that Jesus will let her just keep living any way she wants. But Jesus will love you too much. He will transform you. And in transforming you, he'll release you into being the best version of you you could ever be. Father, this morning, I thank you for these amazing guys in this room. Father, I pray that we don't just have a campus in the city, but that we have an army in the city that knows when to be a hospital and know when to be an army and when to be a community. Lord, we need to be a hospital for those that are broken in and outside of the church. We also, Lord, need to be a community that does partnership together. That Lord has a positive faith posture. That prays. Oh, that practices your word. Trusts you implicitly. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that we will be that army. That when we go to war in the spirit, people will see the freedom that we carry. And that we can bring that freedom to them as well. While every head's bowed and every eye closed, I believe there's somebody here that might only be one or two that... Um, it's Christians that have hurt you. It's Christians that sometimes have just done such the wrong thing by you that you love Jesus, that's why you're in church. You love Jesus, that's why you're here. But there's still pain of what went wrong or shouldn't have happened. And God actually wants to do a supernatural work in his time. I'm not asking it to happen today unless he wants to, but in his time where God's going to restore that broken thing that's been so broken that it's like on the, to the sideline. It's not in the centre of your life because you don't know how to handle it. While every head's bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray if that's you, I'd like you to slip up your hand and I'm just going to pray that God will heal that today, will begin the healing process and that you will be made whole and restored. Just while every head's bowed, please, every eye closed. If that's you, could you just slip up your hand? I'll see it where you are. I'm just going to pray for the restoration of that broken situation. <laughs> Thank you, God bless you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your honesty. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray for this dear person and all of us in the room today. Father, we want the accent of heaven. Please, Lord Jesus, help us to be a people that are attractive. Daniel went into Babylon. He was healthy, strong, and good-looking. Father, may your church be healthy, be strong, and good-looking, not because we compromise our convictions, but because we won't compromise our convictions. May the world find in the church the answer they can't find anywhere else because you are the truth. You're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. You are the Christ. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. It's been good being with you. I've really enjoyed this one. It's a bit more relaxed. Yeah, going from one to the other. <laughs> Might see you tonight if you come. Bless you.